you're listening to The Enlightened Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane, and I'm a gentle chiropractor, holistic counsellor, energetic worker, intuitive guide, and yoga and meditation teacher. I'm the host and creator of The Enlightened Podcast, and I'll be bringing you stories of resilience, consciousness, healing, the human experience, and just how trauma, loss, and grief can shape us to be more compassionate and more empathetic human beings than ever before. These stories are for the highly sensitives, the empaths, and those wanting to hear a unique approach to holistic health. Okay, hello, 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 and welcome to this episode. Um, Today, I'm really excited because we are chatting to a beautiful friend of mine, and she is an amazing sound healer, Reiki master, and also a social worker. And this is no one other than Ashley Bell, who some of you may already follow on Instagram. Um, I met her last year at this beautiful event called the Lightworkers Collective uh, that I actually spoke at and was instantly drawn to her. Uh, She has a really beautiful calm demeanor about her and just the light that shines through her when you speak with her is just you know like no other so I'm also hoping to do her sound healing course when we get that up and running again (laughs) in Melbourne hopefully not too far away Um, but yeah that's just a little intro about Ashley but I had to have her on the show because I'm all about bringing people on with you know interesting stories, challenges in their lives and coming out the other side and creating a life that's in alignment with them. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. <laughs> Good to have you. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks for accepting my invite. Yay. Yeah, well, lockdown. So <laughs> no, it's a, ple- it's a real <laughs> honour to be here. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, you see, I knew I could trap a lot of people coming on as guests during this time because no one has anything else to do. So <laughs> no, no, no. But I knew I had to have you on. So I just want you to just tell everyone a little bit, I guess, about yourself and your health journey up until now and what led you, I guess, to becoming a sound healer or a Reiki master because it's not the usual career path, I'd imagine. No. Well, perfect time to have a long chat, as you mentioned. Yes, being in lockdown, I'm here, so ask all the questions that you want. But um, long story <laughs> short with me. So, yes, as you already mentioned, I'm a Reiki master, sound healer and a social worker. And I kind of stumbled into doing this work. So, Um, what led me to being here now was when I was younger I had leukemia and through that journey of being unwell and healing physically I actually had a lot of mental and emotional pain that I hadn't healed so I got to my late teens early 20s had a lot of anxiety and then that was the beginning of my healing journey on an emotional energetic level And I just kept learning different things. So I was healing my own pain and trauma and then I was learning more. I wanted to learn sound healing because that was really helping with my anxiety. I wanted to learn Reiki because I wanted to know more about how my energy was working, why I was feeling so sensitive and unsure. 
and I was starting to be a social worker and I felt like social work was a great job because I wanted to help people but then there was something missing so I got to a point a few years ago where I was like oh my god I'm going to combine all these things and take what I've learned with my own journey to be able to help others with theirs so that's how I'm here now (laughs) yeah and it's amazing how a lot of us kind of went that traditional education helping others uh, route originally because I guess that's kind of the the options that are given to us, you know, when we're 16 or 17 in our, you know, VCE centre or careers day, there's no little booth for Reiki practitioner or no, sound healer, um, but there may be one. <laughs> one. One day, one day. There may be one. Yeah, one day maybe we can organise that, but there may be one for, say, you know, social work or um, psychology or teaching or those other kind of career paths that are a little bit more mainstream, I suppose. But what I loved about what you said is that you wanted to combine them and that you found that a part was still missing. And I felt the same way when I was originally studying psychology as well after my psych degree because I felt that it was a beautiful thing to be helping people. I knew that that was part of my path, definitely. But I felt kind of limited or restricted in the way that I was to do that, or that it wasn't as holistic as I wanted it to be, or wasn't as um, working with other elements of the body or the mind to help people have changes in a in a different way, not just in that diagnostic structured yeah. kind of way. Did you feel kind of similar to that? Yeah, as you're saying that, I'm sitting here nodding and you can't see me but I'm like I'm, I hear you yes yes all of those things <laughs> yeah with the with the structure I wanted to broaden that so um that's how I brought it all all together and just made made I guess a combination of modalities that I knew was supporting me and that I wanted throughout my healing journey so I wanted to be able to make that available for other people Mm, yeah definitely and I think I think it's really cool and I think that's what a lot of our challenges do for us you know they help us direct us in ways that um, we want to help people in the ways that have helped or served us during our own healing journeys and you mentioned that you actually were diagnosed with leukemia as a child how old were you and and tell me a little bit how that came about for you and what that experience was like for you because that's not something that many people or many of my listeners or many of us at all experience. And you mentioned that you had to then heal your emotional and mental side as time went on. But even the physical body, I can only imagine what you went through at such a young age. Can you just touch on a little bit about that for everyone as well? Yeah, sure. And jump in if you've got more questions because, um, well, having leukaemia and going through chemo that last year, so there's so many different things that happened during that time. So I was 11 years old when I was diagnosed and one of the other things that happened at that same time, which I don't actually talk about a lot, is that before I was diagnosed, I had a broken spine, so I couldn't walk. I was in a lot of pain and it was through looking into why I was in so much pain, then that's when the blood test started to happen and realised that I had cancer, which was taking all the nutrients out of my bones. So I actually had a crushed vertebrae or many different vertebrae in my back. So there was this big focus on healing physically. So I went through chemo. I was having treatment to, for my bones as well, learning how to walk again, 
how to just be physically um what was really well now that I reflect back what was happening is because of the focus on my physical body I wasn't really getting the support that I needed emotionally and mentally so I was coping with this high stress but I was sort of suppressing everything it was getting squished away because that wasn't the focus at the time so it wasn't until years later when that kind of came to the surface again because I hadn't processed it all and then that's when that healing began Mm, yeah and I'm now sitting and nodding my head as you're talking because it really is something that's currently missing from our medical system I believe you know the medical system's amazing for helping us recuperate physically from many things you know it's phenomenal what the medical system can do but even, you know, those of, who are listening know that my mum was quite unwell with a really rare brain disease last year and was in hospital for, I think, I think by the time we left, it was around seven months. We were in and out of um, intensive care and then into a neurological mm-hmm. ward. And I remember the day that they were telling us that they couldn't keep her there anymore. And it was so strange because she was so emotionally and mentally unwell still. She was actually still in a form of psychosis. Um, But physically all her, you know, her blood pressure, her heart rate, her respiratory rate, all her bloods, all that kind of thing, her brain scans, they were all coming back normal or stable at that point. So she was no longer required to be in the hospital system, but there was nowhere else for her to go. Outside of that, there was nothing offered. Um, We were offered a place in a rehabilitation centre, but it was quite challenging to get in there because her injuries weren't considered permanent, but also because um, her age, she was 68 at the time. And yeah, it's like she didn't fit anywhere. But again, physically, she had relearned to walk and she was mobile at this point. So they couldn't really find anywhere for her to go. Um, (laughs) So we ended up having to take her home at one point. Yeah, left thinking now what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So we took her home and she was definitely not really well enough to have left a care facility in that sense. We did end up sending her back to a rehab um, after that and they were able to sort out some medicines in terms of her mental state, which did help. But still to this day, even um, as a family going into the ICU and and the hospitals, that you really aren't supported emotionally by many. You you know, there was a social worker there actually who'd come around once a week and just double-check on some things. But we really felt, well, this is my personal experience anyway, that the emotional aspect or the mental aspect wasn't as large of a priority as the physical was. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That happens and, yeah, which makes, the whole process of being um, well and being able to support or yourself if you're going through it or helping family really challenging because it's kind of the aftermath that's just as hard as well. I can imagine you experienced that, just helping mm. her emotionally after that point. Yeah, definitely, you know, and they kind of don't support you much once you've exited the building. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, you're you're in this hospital facility and then once you go you're kind of out on your own um and you know it's up to the family to to take on that responsibility which is just you know I I hope that over in time that that changes a little bit more and there's a little bit more emotional and um 
psychological support, not only for the patient, but also for the family members and the carers that are looking after the person that's been unwell. But you mentioned that, you know, obviously the fractured spine and learning how to rewalk and and that focus on the physical was such a big part for you. And then as you grew older, you realised that you had been, I guess, suppressing some emotional and mental trauma that comes along with what I knew I can imagine um, being diagnosed a cancer from just 11 years of age. But you also mentioned that that drew you to the sound healing and Reiki kind of aspect of things and that those modalities helped you with, say, your anxiety or your mental distress. What is sound healing exactly and how does it work? Because I've actually never experienced sound healing in real life. I've done a few meditations and things that never had it. So I would like to know also what is sound healing and how how does it work and how could we benefit from it? Yeah, thank you. I I dream that one day when people exit the hospital system and their physical um, illness or trauma has been healed that they get sent to some sort of sound or energy healer or Reiki practitioner, that would be that would be the best to be referred on. So sound healing worked for me. I was introduced to it when I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. I came across a healer that was using the Tibetan singing bowls and what's so powerful about them is the vibration that they give off so they send a vibration which comes through our body it helps to support our nervous system it changes our brain waves and with that vibration it helps to helps us to connect to ourselves helps us to feel so what was really important for me is that I was so numb in the world that when I was introduced to sound healing it was helping me to connect with myself again or even, not even again, it's just helping me to connect to figure out who I was or what I was feeling and help process those feelings. So that was, yeah, it's very, it's really powerful. And one way that I describe it to people who haven't experienced it is it's kind of like a forced meditation. Because meditation can be really difficult to just sit and be and get out of your head to stop that, that monkey mind, that mental chatter. What I love about sound healing and the vibration is it stops that chatter that's going on in your head with, without you even intentionally getting out of your head yourself like a meditation. It just it just stops that. It completely calms the body. You feel it. So even if you're a non-believer, you just you feel the vibration. Pretty cool. Mm, I love that. And I like that you said that it's almost a passive way of gaining a meditative state because obviously you would have quite a few clients as well, but so do I, who say, you know, I'm not good at meditating or Mm -hmm. I can't meditate or I can't stop my thoughts, which, you know, obviously meditation isn't isn't necessarily Mm -hmm. the ideal of meditation to stop your thoughts or you'll be quite disappointed most of the time. But I think people really struggle with finding that peaceful state, which you may or may not gain from certain meditations. Whereas with like sound healing or even energetic work in itself, like some of the work that I do, it's it's like it's taking that person into that state passively rather than actively trying to do it, which is what I love about it as well. And yeah, I'll have to come for a session one day because I'm sure I'll love it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah, I need to go because I love music and all things like that. And 
Um, I just know that it would be of benefit for me. And so, yeah, I'm going to come and see you in regards to that definitely. But I've seen um, a little bit that you do, obviously, the Reiki for clients as well. Do you combine the both or can you explain how Reiki also works with the system or why it might be important to address just as much as, say, the physical health, why it's important to address the energetic bodies or, um, you know, help access those brain waves or brain states and how it can interconnect with the overall health and well-being of someone or why it can be a benefit to, to address that kind of health, that energetic system health? Yeah, that's a cool question. So, so sound healing is a form of energy healing because the vibrations coming into the body and helping us work to lift our vibration and to shift stagnant energy. And Reiki is another form of energy healing as well. So it's a Japanese energy healing technique which most of the time uses our, our hands. So the person who's facilitating Reiki will lay their hands on a person or in the auric field and it's channeling or it's the simplest way to explain it. It's um, facilitating channeling life force energy so helping people connect with their higher consciousness again raising the vibration and balancing out our energy system so sound healing and reiki ultimately do a similar thing because we're we're creating flow in our energy body we're lifting any of that murkiness that heaviness that we're hanging on to and bringing us back to our optimal state so i've studied both and then had this light bulb moment once when I was talking to someone and they were like, why don't you combine this? Mm. Like it was so obvious, but I hadn't figured it out <laughs> for a long time. And so that's what I do. So I'll use my Tibetan singing bowls and I'll also use hands-on Reiki healing. And at the moment because of COVID and lockdown, um, you can actually channel energy healing via distance as well so it doesn't actually need someone to be physically present to work which is awesome as well so um that's that's how I use the yeah the Reiki and the sound and then because my background is a social worker I bring in like the counseling and emotional support aspect to healing as well because people don't come to see a healer when they're feeling amazing I mean it's great when you do but most of the time they want to shift something you know they're not feeling themselves they're not feeling right they you might be feeling low or depressed or going through a challenge in their life so I work with doing the emotional support so unpacking what's going on working out goals and ways to move through it having the conversation and then I work with the energy to really shift that out of the body mm. yeah. any questions I love how you can explain it so well <laughs> no. I love how you explain it so well because it's actually yeah, it's actually a tricky thing to explain at times you know um I remember going to this like networking event a couple of years ago which I don't recommend I hid in the toilet for about three hours I think at that point because I was just like oh god I hate I hate being forced to talk about what I do but um 
yeah, I remember that everyone would stand up and you'd get like 30 seconds or up to a minute to describe what you do. And I was just like, oh, God, like how do I explain what I do in 60 seconds? And it is hard to comprehend at times. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard to comprehend because it is so gentle and especially with, say, something like Reiki where you're not actually physically touching people. It, It can be challenging for people to understand how they can have such a, I guess, a response to the work because you haven't even placed your physical hands on them or on the area that hurts or that feels stuck or stagnant for them. So Mm. I love that you described that really well for them. But I guess what I just want to ask as well, because I know all my clients always ask me like, which chakra is blocked? Like which one were you working with? Was it the root chakra? Is that what, what's that? So maybe you can talk a little bit more about the chakras and how they work and do it a little bit more justice than what, what I usually do. Um, because yeah, I, as I know I'm working with the chakra system at times, mm-hmm. but in terms of which one specifically and how that may or may um, show up for them, not as much. I tend to work more with the emotional system and how that can relate to metaphysical causes rather than the actual specific chakras themselves. So can you give everyone a little bit of a rundown of what is a chakra, how they work, and I guess what we can do to support chakra health if that's even a thing? Yeah. Okay, good question. Brace yourselves. I'm going to try and say it in a simple way as well because it's, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's complex and this information needs to be accessible. So try to simplify it so everyone can understand. So um, we all have a chakra system, which is the simple way of saying it is there, like the architecture of our body so our energy system and we could we could look at them as different wheels and most of the time we work with seven chakras throughout our body so they're in different places I'll go through them in a minute um but they all govern a different emotional physical uh spiritual aspect of our body so the most common one is would let's say the heart chakra so we know where our heart is so it's governing the heart as an organ but it's also the center of where love and joy sit so we can have our chakras blocked you know we might be feeling different things um <laughs> I'm trying to, oh I'm not going to do it <laughs> so absolutely no, you're doing good. An, e- an easy way of saying is that we could be, be feeling um, yeah, heartbroken. And so our heart chakra is not vibrating at its highest level. That's an example. So we've got our crown, which is above our, above our head, but our third eye between our eyebrows, our throat chakra at our throat, our heart chakra, sitting at our heart, our solar plexus, which is the space at the bottom of our ribs our sacral around our belly button and our base chakra is at the bottom of our spine. So they each have linked to a different physical aspect, emotional aspect and spiritual. Any questions? <laughs> what else do I need to explain about the chakras? <laughs> I think it's just interesting because, 
you know, it's not something that's normally spoken of or I guess well taught in the education system in terms of our body and our energetic systems and how to, I know that they're starting to incorporate meditating for students, which is amazing, but I don't think many of us are taught much about our energetic system. So that's why I just wanted to ask you that as well, because, um, you know, people aren't aware that they even exist or let alone what it may or may not feel like if it's functioning optimally or if it's not actually functioning in a way that's, um, you know, a common term would be a blocked or stagnant energy mm-hmm. within those systems and how that may manifest in everyone's, you know, everyday life. So I like that you said like the heart chakra might be, say, um, a reflection of relationships or feeling heartbroken can you go through maybe what maybe some other symptoms might be for each chakra? Like maybe if your base chakra was blocked, what would that mean? Or your sacral chakra? What what might people see in their life um, in terms mm-hmm. of how it's directly related to a chakra specifically? Yeah, that's good. Okay, this, this will unpack it a little bit better. Um, well, <laughs> so our base chakra you might, well, most people will hear the words grounding when they, they'll say, oh, I don't feel grounded. So that links to our base chakra and our base chakra is where we feel safe and we feel supported and it's our foundation. So it's really those basic needs that sit at our base chakra. If anyone who's studied psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the bottom of the pyramid is our basic needs and that's actually our base chakra food safety shelter so that's a really cool basic way to look at it so if we're feeling unsettled at home unsettled at work not feeling safe that's when our base chakra will feel a bit off um do you want to keep going through the other ones Yes, please, yes. but I, I like that. I'll, I'm stealing that one myself. Yes. <laughs> but when I have to explain it to clients, I'm like, yep, Maslow's hierarchy, I'll remember that from now on. So that, that was very helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, maybe just something for each of the others because people have heard about what these chakras are but they can't relate it to, like, real life, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So now they know if they feel ungrounded or insecure or unstable that it might be actually a base chakra blockage or you know stagnant energy through that area they know that the heart chakra might be relationship issues what about the other ones okay so then following so the base chakra is the bottom of our spine so then from base chakra we've got our sacral chakra which is around our belly button area and so this governs our passion creativity our um, like sexual organs as well. And this is all about honouring ourselves. So um, if, we are feel, if we're blocked in this area, we might not feel that we have uh, creativity. We might feel blocked with finding our passion or purpose kind of you know that's like that oomph that groove that we feel that's if we're not feeling that like zest for life that's generally linked to the sacral chakra so that's that space and then we've got our that's cool yeah (laughs) so we've got our see you're educating me oh am i okay good good 
Um, well, I'm trying to do serious. <laughs> I mean, we, that's why I like, I like hesitate with some of the times when I'm like explaining things because I'm trying to not to make it like woo-woo. Like it is really cool to look at that aspect, but really just break it down to like basic things I think helps us understand initially and then we can go more into like the, the you know, super spiritual out there elements. Um, but the next I don't think it sounds woo-woo at all. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, good, good. So solar plexus is around the bottom of our rib page, rib cage, and this is our uh, where our confidence is, our um, how we're feeling in ourselves, what's going on with our ego. So if we're feeling insecure, if having low self-esteem having self-doubt our solar plexus will be out of out of balance or a bit blocked and I see that one a lot especially I work with a lot of young women you know when they're not having confidence in themselves or really unsure or do not have the power or confidence to shine the light their light and just be themselves that's generally when the solar plexus box so that's a pretty common one to see and then we spoke about the heart so your love yeah. joy loving yourself so it's about your way of giving but also receiving love for you so heart um yes yeah, the heart powerful um where are we going next so thou throat chakra this is this is a big one too and obvious. So we're thinking our throat area. <laughs> I'm going yes. Yeah. So our expression, communication, speaking our truth. I really like the throat chakra because it's not just about uh, expressing ourselves externally, but it's also uh, so the communication that's going outwards, but also are we listening to ourselves? Are we communicating with our inner self are we listening to what we need so we might be super chatty and able to talk to others but don't have the ability to check in with ourselves so that's the throat chakra um so yeah a lot of people feel blocked when they're not able to express what they want to in their throat then we have our third eye which is between our eyebrows. I'm like pointing to all these chakras as I talk, but I know you can't see me. <laughs> no, I can feel you doing that. Yeah. I can tell that you're doing something. So, no, that's good. Third eye chakra in between like, the eyebrows. I'm like holding all the chakras as I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's important. It's like answering the phone with a smile on your face, even yeah. though we can't see it. We know. So, it's good. Feel the energy. <laughs> so yes, our, exactly. our third eye is about intuition so um wisdom intuition our perspective of the world how we see ourselves that all sits in the third eye so that can um be really active sometimes if we're feeling um i guess like lots of uh, we, you know, we, we're really in flow and we're 
trusting what's coming up or, or, you know, these messages, when people talk about like messages and knowing that's considered the the, um, third eye. And also um, it can be quite blocked if we're really like clouding how we see the world. And then we have our crown, so we're getting through. (laughs) So this is our... (laughs) Um, crown on our head. A crown, yeah, I've got my hands on my head right now. Um, <laughs> our connection to source and to life force energy and our awareness to the or unconditional love and to our connection to the world, universe, really. That's the um, basic way. I was teaching my partner, this is sidetracked, um, teaching my partner the chakras when I was testing him, I was like, what, what's this chakra? And I was pointing to the top of my head. And he was like, the queen chakra. Because <laughs> he knew it was the crown. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. Yeah. I have to start calling it the queen chakra. <laughs> oh, I feel sorry for my partner sometimes too with some of the stuff I make him learn. I think, you know, like, what's this? What are we doing here? He's like, just do that stuff that makes me feel better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So those are all the <laughs> I'll tell you something really um, cool as well, which how I work with the chakras because I use the Tibetan singing bowls, and each of my bowls has a different frequency that actually resonates to each of those points that we went through for so each chakra. And with the with the sound of the bowl, they can actually. I tune into the vibration and the sound and I can actually pick up what's going on in each of the chakras. So they can change sounds depending on if a chakra is wow. locked or if it's aligned. So it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty powerful stuff with um yeah and people can hear it in themselves when I t- when I tell them that that it will change sound depending on what's going on with your body. And I can use the same bowl, but it will sound different over each chakra. I love that. That's so cool. And I think that's so important for people to have that tangible thing that they can hear and understand Mm -hmm. themselves to go, yeah, hang on, that actually does sound different. She has done something or, you know, it's good for them to have something that they can actually Uh, work out themselves or see the difference themselves almost instantaneously because sometimes with this work it is hard with that um you know sometimes it takes 24 to 48 hours to notice a difference or uh they may feel lighter but they don't really understand maybe what say moving stagnant energy or an energetic system that's not working optimally what that actually means so the fact that they can hear it themselves as well I can only imagine would be beneficial for them yeah, really, yeah, really amazing. And that's what I'll teach you when you do the course with me, how to tune into the sound. I need to do it. I'm so excited. I'm sitting here going, yes, every time you said something, I'm like, I'm doing the sound healing course because <laughs> I think it is something um, that my clients would love as well. But I know some of them are thinking, oh, God, she's going to run even more late now um, <laughs> than what she already does because I'll be there with my bowls. But I just... I love that and I love that, you know, you can feel the change and feel the vibration. Um, I think that's the part that really excites me in regards to that as well. So in terms of that, why do we kind of, because I guess the experience that I have usually when 
I get energetic work done on me, whether it's Reiki or, or whatever, I usually do feel lighter or calmer or I guess um, more myself, if that makes any sense to you, mm-hmm. um, closer to the real me, um, more connected to like universe or source, not worried about the little things as much, not worried about unnecessary stuff. It tends to really um, connect me to, I guess, ultimately what we're all really here for. But why is it that we feel that way after a session? Why do you think we we can experience those little side effects? Like what is it doing that? I just, yeah, I want to know too. <laughs> okay, well, as as you know, everything is energy. Everything vibrates. And we might describe things as having good vibes or bad vibes. And generally when we say something doesn't have good vibes, it's a lower vibration. It feels a bit icky dark heavy and a higher vibration of good good vibes would be feeling lighter and clearer so when we go into having an energy healing we might be feeling that heaviness and so the energy is the vibration coming into your body and releasing any of that stuck heavy energy it's it's helping your body Feel, feel the flow, feel that heaviness dissolve, transmute, disappear, which leaves us feeling lighter and vibrating at a higher frequency. So it's shifting, shifting that. Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah, it definitely does. So what kind of things create that heaviness do you think like I know you mentioned before like say shutting down emotions or feelings mm. do you think that's like a main contributor in terms of the the energy not flowing as well as it say it is after a session what's kind of creating these uh, you know I'm using inverted commas here mm. like blockages or, yeah. or energy that's not moving optimally what what's creating that in the first place yeah it can be so many different things so yes what we mentioned having feelings that we haven't processed which haven't we haven't let go of so anything that has happened that we're holding on to but it can also be things that happen in in our day-to-day lives like uh stress so that that can create blockages even food that doesn't sit well with us um any physical illness, any anything that we're consuming on the TV. So, for example, watching the news at the moment, we can tune, like tune into that, and it makes you feel unsettled. It's it's a lower vibration that's coming into us. It's create there's fear there, so it can happen on a physical level emotional level mental level there's lots of different things that can happen in our lives that can create blockages in our chakra so it's something that you always need to work at and you will know this yourself there are like even if you're working with energy and with people you have to be so on top of your own self-care and looking after yourself because every day we can have our own blockages throughout our body as well, depending on what's going on in our lives. 
Mm, definitely. I think, you know, um, sometimes <laughs> I think I predominantly take care of myself so I can take care of other people, which probably isn't the right way to do it at times. Um, but I literally do it because I know I have to show up mm. um, for others and, and make sure that I'm in a good state to take care of them. And that in turn uh, ensures that I take care of myself to be, you know, be able to be present in that moment. Um, I'm always very careful of making sure that when I am working with someone that I'm attuned to them and not thinking about, you know, what I'm having for dinner or, <laughs> you know, oh, did I forget to send that thing or, or whatever. It's about really being in the moment with them and almost, I don't know if you experience this as a practitioner as well, but it's almost like I go into a meditative state when working with the energetic system um, with the person in front of me as well because you've got to be you know, able to connect to that specific person's energy. Uh, and you have to do that from a very, I don't know, calm state, but mm. also a state that's very clear and able to connect and, and receive easily. So that's one of the reasons I do look after myself so that I can do that for others. And, you know, I think any healers or practitioners in this kind of realm Many of us do what we can do because we just love helping other people as well, uh, but we forget sometimes to look after ourselves as well as we look after others. So that's always something I'm hyper aware of in making sure, you know, that I'm doing my yoga and my meditation and that I'm eating as well as I can eat at times. Obviously, life's not perfect and, you know, I'll have a McDonald's cheeseburger every so often and that's okay too, but, you know, I am quite aware of what I'm putting in has energy to it or, you know, even interacting with certain people. There's an energy exchange in everything. And I loved that you spoke about the news too because I can't remember but there's been some study where people will report a more negative day if they've watched any mm. form of news than what they would if they hadn't have watched it. So, you yeah, know, so many it is that can affecting us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Yes, self-care mm. so, yeah, so important and that's amazing, like all the things that you do to help your vibration stay at a high level and that's how you're able to give so much love and light to others. It's, it's something that we all need to work really hard at all the time because our vibration can shift. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And... I just wanted to ask you about you recently um, got married. So you mentioned your partner before about teaching him the chakras and him mentioning the queen chakra, which we're all going to take from now on. <laughs> um, explain how that was. And did, did you make it in time before coronavirus hit? What happened there? Oh my I, God. I just saw photos and I couldn't remember <laughs> if you got the, the wedding you hoped for or what happened. Oh, yes. <laughs> I got married two days before the first lockdown so it was that week where everything oh. was changing so much in Melbourne you know like one day it was like gatherings of 100 and then we had to have the social distancing so things were changing on the lead up but we did get married it was a lot smaller than we had planned but the day itself was perfect so it was so good and I think we've so much going on in the world and also having a wedding at that time it actually brought it into perspective of why we're getting married because we can well with the with weddings we can get so caught up in making sure that everyone's happy and um 
the aesthetics and all the external stuff, but that just that experience with yeah COVID coming to Melbourne at that time, we were just like just focusing on the ceremony of love and the ritual of getting married. It really brought it back to basics. So it was a really special day. We had lots of um, spiritual elements and my gong was part of the ceremony as well. So there was sound healing involved. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have a wedding to a sound healer without a gong. <laughs> yeah, big gong to open and close. We had uh, everyone got smudged when they came into the ceremony we had a little ritual (laughs) really beautiful yeah sounds very special I thought that was a more of a personal question because yeah it's like did she get I saw photos but I wasn't sure what had happened because yeah and you're right it's so easy to forget why you're getting married in the first place which is because you know you love this person and hope to or want to spend the what is the rest of your life with this person and you forget all that becomes almost a a backseat um you know priority when you're organizing a big wedding so I'm glad that you guys got to connect on that but since that was more of a personal question I better (laughs) I better um shape it in a way that's for other people uh to make sense of as well but how important is good relationships or healthy relationships or connections in terms of our healing journeys as well? Like obviously you meeting your partner and, um, you know, other great friendships or relationships on the way do help our healing journeys. And how do you think it's helped yours? Yeah, so relationships are so important because we can't do this alone. Like human beings need connection. We need human contact. We need support. We need community. That's so so vital to our own well-being so relationships are really important for support and to bring us together and also having that that ability to receive love and support and a really big thing that I actually work with with people is the focus on learning how to how to receive that love and support that's around us and how to really feel it and take it in because Without that, we can't keep doing what we're doing. We can't function. We need to fill out, you know, fill ourselves up. It's just as important to connect with people than it is to connect with ourselves. Does that answer the question? Yes, it does. No, it definitely does because, you know, our relationships can sometimes be a reflection of, I guess, the relationship with ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, in in general. Like, um, you know, it's you know, if you feel a certain way about yourself or think that you only deserve a certain, you know, um, type of treatment or whatever it might be, your expectations of others and your quality of relationships might be altered as a result as well. So I think when people have healthy relationships in their lives, it it can, um, you know, just help them in a way that people who don't have that cannot, you know, experience that type of healing in a specific way, like you just mentioned, because we can't do it by ourselves. We are part of a community or at least we're supposed to be as human beings so I thought yeah I just wanted to ask because you guys look very happy in all your pictures so I thought I better better just ask how you know how that's impacted your life in a positive way and um yeah it was a beautiful wedding so congratulations on that and I suppose the last question for the potty (laughs) might just be do you have any advice 
for anyone who I guess is wanting to make some changes in their life um, in terms of their energy health or their spiritual health and, you know, what can someone, what might be helpful for someone if they are experiencing some of these things that you spoke about, Um, you know, maybe they're feeling insecure or they feel like um, they have just got out of a, you know, a relationship or, you know, they do have trouble expressing themselves. Do you have any advice for them on what they can do from here after listening to this podcast as well? Obviously seeing you would be one of them, but (laughs) is there any other things that they can do to help themselves? Yeah, well, it ties into what we are just talking about in terms of relationships because if you feel like you need something or if you you feel like you need some healing, it's support. Support is the most important thing. So connecting with people that you trust or finding a practitioner that you can confide in as well I always talk to people about creating like a like a team for them like uh, having like a a wellness team the different people that they can go to for different things you know you might have your best friend that you can talk to about everything but you also have an energy healer that you go to your Cairo yeah you've got you need you need your support network so um the first thing to do is just just start and if there's resistance it really means that you need it more so pushing through that and knowing that there's so much love and support out there it's just actioning it so taking the first step that's the hardest bit and then it's yeah it's all good from there Mm, I think that's a great um, point that, yeah, we all need a little team around us to help us in all different aspects of life as well. And it's okay if those, you know, um, teams alter in time Mm -hmm. as well. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to have the same team members all the time. You know, sometimes we outgrow practitioners or we outgrow friendships or relationships and that's okay too. But it's about, yeah, staying true to where you were at and um, how you can help yourself during this time as well. But It's been lovely having you on, Ashley. So thank thank you so much for joining us and for taking up my offer. (laughs) And hopefully I will see you soon in the practice for either a session or at least to do my sound healing certification because I know it's a must after listening to you speak about um, the changes that you've seen and, and that others will feel in their systems. I think it's a disservice if I don't learn it. So Thanks so much for being here and, yeah, hopefully I see you soon. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. It was such an honour and I really appreciate this time and space. Thank you. All right. Speak soon. Bye.